Law Focus Podcast, bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome to Law Focus, the show with the staunch focus on the law. My name is Basil Shurinda and I am going to be your legal guardian for the evening. Right at the heart of Bramfontein, I'm bringing you the best of legal argument with the greatest of legal opinions. And right here, sitting here, I will be tackling the issue of human trafficking in the country. The legislation that cover, that governs that area of law is Trafficking in Persons Act, which is a preventing and combating thereof. Now, that legislation has a couple of features that are quite interesting. Um, It says that the country would have jurisdiction in respect of an act that is committed outside of the republic. If it would have constituted an offense, obviously, under the chapter, and and if, regardless of whether or not the act constitutes an offense at the place of its commission, if the person that is being charged is actually a citizen of the republic or is ordinarily resident in the country. Now, later on in the show, we're going to be interviewing a couple of people. We're going to be interviewing... Um, the Department of Justice, and we'll also be interviewing the Institute for Security Studies to get to get an understanding of how to deal with trafficking in persons in the country. What are the statistics, and 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 what are, what is the prevalence to get an understanding of that? Uh, Law focus listener. Before we get into that, we are going to do the legal hotspots for the evening. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the top of, stories the of the week. It's legal hotspots. Welcome back for the legal hotspots for this evening. We are looking at three one of the most exciting times of our life. Uh, and the first story looks at the state capture inquiry and the fact that it's about to start. Uh, the second story looks at um, the Nesfa's spending spree uh, student who has now appeared in court. Uh, we're looking at the third story looks at one of the uh, um, a suspected killer of Mr. Dumisani Masilela, who is an actor, um, is, is also appeared in court. And also that the Van Breda appeal has actually been dismissed. The first story speaks about the state capture. Um, um, the chairperson, Mr. Roman uh, uh, Justice Raymond Zondo, has actually um, commenced the proceedings. And today, all they did was submissions and, and discussing how the proceedings will go and talking about what are the point of references and the departures. It will be looking into the the Gupta corruption in the country, looking into the role of the presidency and the role of many other actors, including the child of the president and the the entire ministry and the entire cabinet in fact it will be looking the state capture inquiry will be looking into that we're looking will be looking into sars will be looking into many other um entities that which have assisted with the gupta state capture uh it will be looking into that uh, in particular it will also one of the fundamental aspects of it is the kind of team players or the players that which have been identified um in the state capture inquiry, and we hope to see uh, more of it unfolding. The second story um, is about the Nesfa student from the Walter Sisulu University who, who received a lot of money from the from the uh, National Student Funding Aid Scheme, and she just appeared in court on on issues of theft because she spent some of the money that was which was which was deposited into her account. Uh, the third one is that there's a, another suspect has yet been found. Um, in 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 connection with the death of Mr. Dumisani Masilela, after an attempted robbery, um, the last story is the fact that uh, Mr. Farnbrieda, who actually killed his parents, uh, his appeal has been dismissed, and that 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 makes up for for an, inter- for an interesting story for this week. Uh, those are the legal hotspots for this week. Uh, please catch us again next week for the legal hotspots. Uh, continue with the show for the evening as we are discussing human trafficking. Rounding up all, all the top, all stories, the top of the stories of the week. It's Legal Hotspots. 
with this alarming issue of human trafficking, we also had to get your opinions on on what you think uh, is being done or should be done and what are your understandings on human trafficking. This is what most of you had to say. Well, I feel like human trafficking is wrong and it's scary at the same time because you don't know who to trust. You don't feel safe anywhere in any environment and I feel like the government isn't doing much to alleviate the situation. You don't only get just get human traffic like standing on the road and stuff. Even now when you apply for jobs and things, you don't know if it's legit or not. Because people will tell you, this is the company, blah, blah, blah. And then when you get there, it's not what you think it is. What I can say, people are just turned into something else that uh, uh, they no longer see cows, cattle, sheep as business for farming and things like that. They now see a human being as a business. You understand? Uh, human trafficking can be into into different things like uh, from young girls they can be turned into prostitutes and guess what the people who support that uh, kind of prostitution the, the brothel houses that host young girls is the most uh, popular millionaires that we know from our, from all over the world I see people people now in they are into uh, body parts of, of human beings being sold for different rituals, you understand? So I'm not afraid. I can, I can, I, I don't know, man. You know what? If I go to jail for, 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 for wringing the neck of someone who's trying to, to kidnap me, God will know that I was eliminating the problem. Honestly speaking, I feel like the intelligence, it, it all boils down to what the intelligence, how the strength of the intelligence in the country. So I feel like they need to recruit young people who can come up with systems that can easily monitor or uh, threats, for example. Yeah, that's, that's, I feel like it all boils down to that. I think like since we saw Hore during Christmas fall, there's a lot of police force. They must patrol here and also in Brahm, I don't think there's a police station. It's only there by Hillbro. So we saw like the amount of like the vans, the all, why don't they patrol? Because I, like sometimes I get off school like late and there are no patrol cars. We get like cars, uh, patrol cars from police. It's just the private ones and they like sitting, like they're just not going like, around to check. Even during the day you feel victimized just walking in Brown. So imagine that as a woman at night, that's worse. Because you like the people, okay, the people in the streets, but then that those characters that you like can see, or right, something might just happen now. I don't think human trafficking is a good thing because it attacks us females, and since it's 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 Women's Month, I think it's a relevant topic to talk about because, especially as black women, it's like we are objects. People can just take us from one country to another and treat us as sex objects. It's so painful. And I wish it can come to an end because at the end of the day, we should respect people's bodies and not see them as something just to sell. So we are not, we are not, we are not objects. I'm afraid to be a victim because I've once had this story of a friend selling another friend to the traffickers. So it's, I'm scared because you never know who's around you. I think the police should focus more on the real issues and stop wasting South Africans' time because at the end of the day, 
our police system is re- it's really poor compared to other countries because I've traveled I've traveled to other countries and I've seen the system and how compact it is and how strict it is. But South Africa, I feel like our police system is just there because it needs to be there. But they're not doing their job. They're focusing on less important things. Law Focus, point, point of information. Welcome back to Law Focus. You're still sitting with Basil Sharenda and we're still discussing human trafficking. Uh, right on the line, we have Mr. Matume Mudiba from the Department of Justice. He's a legal admin officer and he's going to be explaining to us some of the issues that surround human trafficking, not only from a legal perspective, but also the practical implications that which um, the department has to deal with. But I understand that uh, Mr. Mudiba deals with it from a principal perspective uh, more than from a law enforcement perspective. But rather, uh, without say, saying much, uh, Mr. Mudiba, welcome to the show. Yes, uh, I would like to also welcome the listeners at home. Yes, um, we we are at the, we are at the, at the heart of well, I mean, we know that the country currently is experiencing quite a lot of violence. Um, particularly on women and children because they are the most vulnerable people in society and it shouldn't be like that. But now we need to understand from you, from the understanding, because most people struggle with the differences between the forms of violations that we have in the law, uh, especially with violent crimes. What is human trafficking? Can we get an understanding from you? Look, in, uh, uh, human trafficking, to start with, it, it involves recruitment, harboring, transporting people in, into a situation of exploitation through use of violence, deceptions or coercion, and or forced to work against their will. Mm. I, I, would, I would give a, a small example, if you don't mind, so that our listeners don't get bored on the mm. There It's like when a person, you are, you are in a nutshell, you are, you, are, you, are giving, you are given a false statement. For instance, there is a work in Jovek. Mm. Waiter, for example, I will give waiting. Waiters. Mm. There is a waiter's job, Jovek, salary, 20000 a month. Mm. False, false information. You run from wherever to that. From there, you are kept somewhere used in another form. It's either they violate your rights by using you as a sex worker, mm. be, be, be obli- uh, subjected to intensive uh, or forced to work abnormal hours in a factory somewhere or wherever. Yeah. And it is also in my understanding that um, the statistics in the country are quite high of, of human trafficking. Yes, there are alarming statistics, but uh, we will just say approximately about 30,000 children a day might be exported, brought to South Africa or taken out of South Africa. Wait, low focus listener. Uh, Mr. Mudiva just said 30,000 women and children are exported per day out of South Africa. Did I understand that, Mr. Mudiva? No, the, no, 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 not 30,000. It's an estimation of 30,000, a, probably a year. That's a lot. That's totally yeah. a lot. And these are our mothers and sisters. But now, from a law enforcement perspective, I mean, what kind of legislation assists us in understanding um, combating human trafficking? There is uh, an act. Normally, you will hear the same tip act. Mm. It was 
it was it, it, it came into a bill and it was passed in 2013, mm. where it, it is given the the title prevention and combating of trafficking in person act of 2018 number seven mm. of 2018. And so, uh, has have we have we seen any shortcomings with that legislation, or is it thriving? Look, there is still uh, certain challenges, but uh, you know, when 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 you are dealing with law enforcement officers and other structures, mm. first, first challenges might be one of them, or few things that one can say they they have. Hassles, the practical, the, 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 on the practicality of law enforcement and other challenges. Remember, it, 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 it's a specialized uh, crime. Mm. And uh, in most instances, you, you have to detect or identify. Before you, you investigate, you have to detect whether the offense that was brought before you is human trafficking. And, and, and how uh, would you do that? From there, you have to identify the victims. So that is why human trafficking is under a specialized unit. Not every person can just justify that uh, it is a human trafficking because it, it, it involves different things. Mm. So I, 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 I will just give you a light for 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 the the, the scenario that I gave you previously. I will give you an example by Mr. Muriba. Mr. Muriba went for a job interview and you think the job is legit. Whatever is happening there, they take Mr. Muriba's documentation with an intention to say, look, we are going to do you visas and other things. So in that first, you, you know, if they take documents from a person without his knowledge, now contribute to human trafficking, but a victim not coming out to to a, a police investigator or any other law investigator saying, no, I'm here, I'm here for a job. You ask questions. Where's your work papers? Where's your work permit? You, you try to identify other things. Then, no, I'm here for a holiday. I'm here for a visit. The more you keep digging, then the story is. And further, uh, I will further say that other challenges that law enforcement might have, victims are not willing to give information. Mm. And in that way, it also uh, challenges the act because if, if, if it challenges the system in the act, because if someone is in that dilemma, if it's a, if it's a, is a, is a, child victim, he must be placed at the place of safety. If he's an adult, he must be placed at the place of safety known by those who will be dealing with calling social workers to assist and so on. Not all of the stakeholders involved to know precisely the facts and everything. And so I understand that those are the practical challenges in, in, in dealing with not only the victims, but also the perpetrators. Now, how does one get to identify if there was, there's an organizational unit? Like, I understand that you can see it from one perspective that if you catch a victim 
and then they don't have documents or and also because they don't they don't speak out because of fear or whatever reason but now how do you identify a unit a full unit that there is a human trafficking unit in perhaps Bramfontein or in in downtown Joburg how do, how are you able to identify all of that we we, we in in routing, uh, normally I would say in South Africa the department of justice uh, is the chairperson is the main man in human trafficking each province has a mandate to establish a team which sees, consists of NGOs, departments. They sit, they will de- decide on which, whether they sit bi-monthly or monthly to, to check. So we have the rapid response where it's a smaller forum where sits with with, with cases that are reported to check, or even if it's during the night or during the, the emails are, are trending to say, guys, there is this way, and officers don't understand. Guys, we have this person, assist us. If it's during the night, the person is referred. You see now, it's a, it's a, it's a chain. Mm. A, a person is referred to a shelter, a shelter which is hosted by community safety or social development. Remember, when the, the victim is how is hosted there, there are other things. Social workers will go, interview, do their check. From there, even the investigator, when he looks at the victim, he can see whether he suspects whether they should be a doctor to check whatever we cannot identify in with our naked eyes so it will be identified today mm. social workers will come in nurses will come in everywhere so the docket and also will be made there without taking from the shelter to the station and so on everyone will come there and get statements from there they will they, through the facts is when the docket can be finalized decided this is a human trafficking matter. Mm. This is not a human trafficking matter. After all the stakeholders came and get the information from the person. You know, sometimes it is difficult for me to to trust anyone just to need information from me. But the the only thing people when they go there, when colleagues go there, must make the environment user friendly so that the victim can open up. Mm. Interesting, um, Mr. Mr. Madume, I, I'm, I'm listening to you, and I think from a notional perspective, all of what you're saying makes perfect sense. Now, it becomes quite difficult when I am a citizen of the country, and I am in a space where I suspect human trafficking. Right now, how do I? What do I do? One without endangering my own life. Look, there is a, a, a helpline. Which I, I I I I when I check here I don't have it. Oh. It's on zero. Is normally I'm not so sure sure about the number. We'll, we'll find it. We'll find it. We'll find it, and we'll let our listeners know. You can continue. That number. You can do it. Or if you suspect, if you know where we come from, we are from different suburbs, townships. 
there is another trend that you can see. Maybe you see people coming there in and out. To this week, you see this different group. Another week, so that that uh, those are the things that when you look, you you can just say tip off anonymous tip off to say I suspect. So even the officers who go there, the some. It will depend on the stations. It will d- depend on the officers. Some will also say, guys, there is this thing. Come and assist. When people give information, when you, you, you don't understand, you call relevant stakeholders or other stakeholders to say, there is a suspicion of this. So it's when they can do their work. When they, the police do their ratings, they go there alone. They can go there, take victims, get statements, take them wherever. Then, you know, in our police station, we have other small consultation rooms where when this happens, social workers can go there and consult and everyone do the consultations. Interesting. So that's here today. I mean, uh, Mr. Mudiba, uh, we, have, we have had a, a lot of... Um organizations coming out and, and complaining about how the human how the TPA, the Trafficking in Persons Act itself, is not um is not practical enough or does not assist in a principal manner to deal with the main issues on the ground. And then we saw regulations coming into place. Now I need to understand that in that process, one what were the what were the issues that were being identified in the in in the act itself, in the legislation itself. And with those issues being identified, where they dealt with? Look, uh, in, in the act, issues were dealt with. The challenges might be from uh, stakeholders not knowing what to do. But every stakeholder has been informed and the, 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 the training is still continuing. And the training, I don't mean a training on a one stakeholder. I mean interstate trainings are, are now uh, settling where we meet as groups to say, look, we, we, have, we have these guys internally or externally. Let's deal with law enforcement. Then we further again do information sessions to the public about human so that people can be aware. Remember, some some organizations are organizations saying we we are dealing with this human trafficking. But when 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 you ask them, uh, are you affiliated with other institutions such as social development? Do they have social workers in the institution? How do you deal with this? How do you liars? How do, then you, you understand then those, those things are challenges that we have. Mm. And uh, when, when, when you look at it from the other side, it's a complicated matter. And it, it, sometimes it, uh, most of the cases need to, to be treated with confidentiality. Yeah. I mean, and th- there was, yeah. There was also an aspect. There was also an aspect of extraterritorial jurisdiction, as found in chapter in chapter two of TPA. Now, in yes, that aspect, yeah. 
those, those, those cases, remember, if, if, if a person, if a trafficker, for instance, is someone from outside, he can be brought to, as long as our country has extradition clauses with that country, he can be brought to South Africa. Mm. But the challenges are our our victims sometimes remember for for example i will give an example by me mudiva is taken from point a uh, was informed that i'm going to give you a job in Quebec. what i'm going to do i'll give money to your family for um doing whatever for maintenance goods and whatsoever for whatever period mm. you are going to pay me when you get a job in Tobek. Remember there is a dead uh, a dead bondage. So if I get my money from whatever proceeds, remember if either I I I I, I, dra- I use you as a drug team or in that illegal way and you don't have a choice. When you try to complain sometimes. You know, I will say, I I know where your family comes from. I know where your parents stay. If you go and be a whistleblower, I'm going to deal with them. These are other challenges. Thank you, Mr. Medima. Let me me interject and push push it further about this issue of consultation and the issues that most of the NGOs had. Is that, for example, when you are using services of a victim's uh, services of victims of trafficking. Uh, maybe if you benefit financially from the services of a victim of trafficking or even the victimizers, right? You are required yeah. to have intentionally participated. Now, intentionally being the aspect of Section 7. And then Section 8 goes on to say that even another person who leases or subleases a room to whoever who is trafficking in persons, right? So it means yeah. that you are a fa- you are facilitating this conduct. Now, yes. Here's, here's my grapple. It requires you to have intentionally participated. Now, what about the event when you have negligently participated? Because you, you should have known, or, or rather the, you should have taken steps to know who is leasing your property and what are they doing in your property. You should have known. And then, but now, because it was not intentional, then you fall short of the standard and then you, you get away with assisting or facilitating that conduct. What, what is your comment in that regard? No, no, it's not about you getting away. It will depend on who deals with the matter. It's, it's not about literally getting away. Remember, if if there is a gap in legislation, we can use other legislation. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. like, like when you are saying, I was not away. Remember, uh, even your house can be... Can, can, can be attached for being used as a commission of a crime. If the act has a loophole, then we look at other acts to assist. In particular, we have legislation in our law. Okay. I'm, I'm satisfied, Mr. Mudiba. Thank you very much for your invaluable contribution. Anything that you want to add in closing, in summary? Uh, I, I, and another thing that, that I, I will just say, our challenges regarding legislation. We have uh, this, this type of human trafficking. You see, sometimes not have people who are not employed. Mm. So 
are employed looking for a, a better salary. We are not satisfied because of our needs. Then you see an advert to say, where I am, I'm in five rand. There is an advert saying, the very same job, I'm do, I can go and do it somewhere with an extra 13, 15 rand. For instance, they are saying, Mr. Muliwa, we know you, you are a legal admin officer. There is an opportunity to open a legal, a legal admin officer. Uh, for argument's sake, let me give uh, other countries, let me not give our neighboring countries. Then I look, they, they are saying 15 rand. And here I'm earning 5 rand. So I'm going to look at my expenses and jump in. So in fact, you see, now it creates uh, forced labor, you don't know where you are going, whether it's safe or what. Mm. Forced labor, whether you can see the, those our, those people who were transporting drugs were called to say, this is the this is the work. When you are in, then you find yourself in something that you don't know. But for that is for other day, just for us, people must know that we have a human trafficking team in Quebec or everywhere in South Africa. For more information, they can conduct Department of Justice, Social Development, NPA. They are the main people behind the human trafficking. Thank, thank you, Mr. Mdiwa. And the helpline that we're talking about of human trafficking is 0800-222-777. Thank you very much for, this, for, for the contribution. Yeah. You're still listening to Law Focus. Law Focus, handing you your rights. Welcome back to Law Focus. You're still speaking to Basil Shirinda, and we're still discussing human trafficking. Right on the line, we have Ms. Otilia Anna Manguanidze, uh, who is uh, part of the Institute for Security Studies, and they have looked at human uh, human trafficking and, and yeah, had have, have a policy in that regard without taking it any further. Uh, Ms. Otilia, welcome to Law Focus. Trevor, thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, for speaking to us. I mean, we understand that um, the Institute for Security Studies has done a lot of studies. Can you please explain to us in short what, what do you do and what are you about? Right, so the Institute for Security Studies is um, an applied policy institute and we do uh, research, technical assistance, as well as capacity building on what we consider to be uh, threats human security. So that includes everything from uh, uh, crime, from conflict, uh, violence, and within that, um, crimes such as the trafficking in persons uh, are among the things that we work on, mm. uh, working to both uh, prevent, but also to to counter and to respond effectively to those crimes. Yes. And so what, what, what are your findings thus far? Like what, what have you found? What are the statistics? What are what the statistics around human trafficking? Um, so one of the main challenges around uh, human trafficking is for the most part, it's, it's done quite covertly. So we find, for example, um, at least here in, in Southern Africa, we are uh, faced with human trafficking on two levels. We're faced with human trafficking of uh, people, mostly women and children, from other countries in the region, not just Southern Africa, but uh, further afield as far uh, north uh, as uh, Ethiopia, for example, in the Horn of Africa. 
Um, but then we also have a, a problem in terms of internal trafficking. So uh, particularly, uh, again, mostly women and children trafficked within South Africa from one part of the country to another, um, with quite a number of those people being trafficked into urban spaces or to rural areas to serve essentially as forced labor. Yes, and, and, and that has had economic benefit within it, so as, as money as a center of it all. Um, fundamentally, human trafficking is uh, is an economic crime for for the people who benefit out of it. Um, for the people affected, obviously, it's a serious human rights violation, um, and, uh, and and for that reason, it is criminalised. But one of the things that um, perhaps is most concerning is just how much money is being made out of um, trafficking in persons globally. Um, for example, and this is from a global figure, because here in South Africa, um, we, we, we still have the challenges in getting accurate uh, statistical data related to trafficking in persons. But globally, the trafficking in persons industry is said to um, get up to $90 billion per year. Mm. So you're looking at an industry that's generating a lot of money for the people that are involved in the criminal side of it. And one of the things is because the the primary forms of trafficking are labor trafficking, so being trafficked into forced labor or slave-like conditions where people do not receive uh, financial compensation for their work, as well as sex trafficking, um, which means people being trafficked into, into, uh, into the system of prostitution which means that the money that is generated in, in the trafficking industry doesn't go to the victims uh, or the survivors of trafficking. It essentially goes to people who are manipulating the system as well as manipulating people into these practices. Mm. And so what are the measures that have been put in place by the Institute for Security Studies? Right, so the Institute, uh, as the Institute, we, we work primarily um, with uh, the state, uh, but also with, with international agencies in terms of uh, offering the right kind of policy and practical uh, advice in, in helping to, to respond to crimes like trafficking in persons. Mm. This is meant uh, contributing to, for example, the, the, the ongoing debate around the decriminalization of, uh, of sex work um, from a protection point of view. Um, but also it has meant uh, a lot of the work that we've done around better understanding um, migration trends. So we believe that a more uh, open, uh, greater freedom of movement, particularly in Southern Africa, will actually reduce uh, the number of people then who will be fraudulently um, uh, involved in, in, in trafficking in persons. So a lot of the work that we've done has been at the policy level in advising um, uh, the government, but also in advising international organizations on how best to deal with trafficking in persons. Yeah, uh, we, I mean, we've also spoken to the Department of Justice and they spoke about how, how, how to detect human trafficking. And they spoke about, for example, many of those people would not have documentation. And that's when at least that's the first start to detecting. Now, should that policy pass of free movement wouldn't it make it more difficult to detect who is being trafficked? 
Not necessarily. Um, so one of the key issues which has uh, not just uh, trafficking is, is the one crime, but also in respect of smuggling of persons, is the, the more difficult it is to, to be able to track individuals, the, that's, where, that's where the issue comes in. So allowing for freedom of movement is not removing borders. It's not removing uh, ports of entry and the need for a person to still present their passport um, and, and be processed at the border, right? Um, so that would still remain. But it also does allow for greater collaboration, not only with law enforcement, but also the Department of Home Affairs, um, as well as other departments that deal with migrant issues. Um, not just within the country, because I think that's where the issue um, comes in when it comes to cross-border trafficking, not just within the country, but also between countries. So working, for example, a bit closer with neighboring countries like Mozambique, Eswatini, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Botswana, for example. Um, but also, and as I, as I mentioned earlier, one of the main issues that we have within South Africa when it comes to trafficking in persons is that uh, the majority of people are actually trafficked within the country. Mm. So it's not people coming from outside um, the country. It's young, uh, it's children, it's also women that are uh, trafficked from, let's say, rural areas or from other urban spaces into forced labor conditions within the country. So it also means it's not just an issue for the Department of Justice to be dealing with. It's also an issue, for example, for the Department of Labor, for the Department of uh, Social Development as well, to be able to work together to have a better handle on where people are and, and also to have a better handle on, on whether unfair labor practices, for example, are not part of a, a forced labor um, movement. So it doesn't follow that allowing for freedom of movement within the country and into the country would result in higher trafficking. To cite, for example, the, the case of Sweden in Europe, where they created, and they are part of the Schengen zone, which is a free movement zone within Europe, but they then in, um, adopted laws within Sweden that relate to the protection of people that are being trafficked, particularly people that are being trafficked for, for, uh, for into the system of prostitution. And what they've actually seen is a decline in trafficking in Sweden because of this, uh, the framework that they've put in place even though they are part of uh, a zone of over 20 countries that are freedom of movement. Interesting. That is an interesting piece of information. And so ever since you, you have made these recommendations of policy, have we seen strides? Have, have, has, has there been improvement? Um, there have been, but I think the, the, the one thing which is, uh, um, uh, which I think was a, a dose of reality to it um, is that it, it, it's not that easy um, it, it's not that easy to deal with uh, a crime such as trafficking in persons, which is mostly underground. So, um, so yes, there have been a, a good strive. I think uh, particularly the Department of Justice um, has, has been working um, quite hard in, in trying to ensure that the police, especially 
um, with the right kind of training to be able to deal with detection of possible uh, organized crime syndicates, some of whom are involved in trafficking mutations. Um, but that's only part of the um, part of the response that's needed. Um, and I think one of the things um, for us as the Institute that we would really want uh, for there to be is we need, uh, particularly from the, from the side of investigators, uh, law enforcement generally, is to ramp up the efforts in terms of victim identification as well as the prosecution for senders. And that's where uh, the National Prosecution Authority comes in. Because it's not given as much attention as it ought to, um, we, we find that the crime does continue. Um, but should the police and the NPA working together amplify this issue and make people more aware of it being a crime, but also of the need to effectively respond to it, um, we hope then that that will be able to, to reduce the incidence of trafficking in person. But ultimately, and the reason we do this work is we hope that there are less victims of trafficking and hopefully never, but also that there are people that have been in the system of trafficking are are properly protected. Interesting. Uh, that was that is that is Miss Otilia Anna Mangwanidze uh, for, for speaking for the Institute for Security Studies. Miss Otilia, thank you for your contribution. Thank you very much for having me. Listening to Law Focus. Listening to Law Focus. Connect with VowFM eighty eight point one on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus. We, we, we're still probing the issue of uh, Mr. Tom Moyani and the Commission of Inquiry and his disciplinary hearing. The purpose, as I understand, of the disciplinary hearing is to provide certain allegations, to lay certain allegations against uh, Mr. Moyani. Mr. Moyani has uh, legal representation from what, I, from what I know. He will face the commission as an accused. If the chairperson of the disciplinary inquiry finds him guilty, then there are certain consequences that would naturally follow. If he's not found guilty, then automatically he would be reinstated to his position as a commissioner of, of SARS. Uh, Mr. Theo Mapeto is the founder of Mapeto Artinis. Law Focus. Talking active citizenship. Law Focus. Point, point of information. Welcome back to Law Focus. You're still sitting here with me, Basil Shirenda, here at VAWFM 88.1, and we're still discussing human trafficking. Uh, right on the air, we're going to be talking to a deputy director of Embrace Dignity and the founder thereof, Mr. Jeremy Rutledge, uh, who will be taking us through an understanding of human trafficking on the ground. Mr. Rutledge, without taking it any further, welcome to Law Focus. Yes, well, thank you. Um, Whilst we we were we were talking to the the, the Department of Justice, we got different perspectives about uh, the implementation of legislation and, and thereof. But what still baffles us is an understanding of what is human trafficking. Can you assist us with that? Okay, human trafficking um, is um, uh, some people call it modern day slavery, but uh, the act was passed in two thousand and thirteen. And it defines human trafficking in a particular way. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it, it involves uh, not necessarily movement out of a country and into a country, but it involves a process and uh, it involves a means and it can be deception, force, uh, uh, exploiting a position of vulnerability and something like that. Uh, and um, 
So if these things are present, then um, it can be a person can be charged for the crime of human trafficking, and uh, the victim can be recognised as a victim of human trafficking. And uh, obviously, the person who's charged goes through the law process, and the victim uh, social services come in, and they can provide support. Uh, sometimes it's necessary to provide protection and um, and um, psychosocial support as well. And so um, that's basically the law. Before, it was um, covered under different parts and they consolidated it all into one law. Um, and then they were going to move on to another one which is related, which is adult prostitution, because child prostitution is covered under the, uh, the law for children as well. Mm. So uh, it's um, it's hard to explain human trafficking just in a few words, but essentially what a person ends up in is a position where they uh, are forced against their will and have their rights limited. Um, yeah, and so it, in your in your knowledge, how often does this occur? Well. Um, it, I think, in my knowledge, it occurs quite a lot. But uh, in terms of the law and the prosecutions, I think there were um, 10 pro- prosecutions uh, last year and about eight this year because it's quite a difficult uh, law to detect. And people can be tra- trafficked for all sorts of things. It can be for forced labor, um Children can be trafficked for child labor. Uh, migrants can be trafficked uh, uh, across borders, but it can also be trafficked within. Uh, so there have been very few cases. Because it's an illegal activity, I was at a seminar yesterday. We don't have figures on what the extent is. They're sort of estimates, but it's very difficult. Uh, and I think the estimates vary from about 30,000 a year upwards. Um, but the actual cases prosecuted um, as an act of human trafficking is only in the tens. Um, but um, we work uh, with women who've been prostituted, and when they tell their stories, there is, in the majority of cases, some exploitation of a position of vulnerability or some other aspect that fits into the definition of human trafficking. And so that's why we see there's quite a strong link and prostitution provides the demand for human trafficking, which is a profitable business for organized crime. Mm. And so at, at Embrace Dignity, what, what do you do? Well, at Embrace Dignity, we advocate for a law which would um, address the demand for prostitution because um, we see the present law as undermines gender equality and undermines the, the women who are the majority, 96%. Uh, it undermines their uh, human dignity. And um, the ones we speak to, they all would rather, they say it wasn't a choice of theirs and they'd rather get out. Uh, in fact, 
So we advocate for a law which was pioneered in Sweden. We call it the Equality Law, but it's also called the Swedish Law, the Nordic Law. And it's been followed by Norway, France, Canada, uh, Ireland, uh, and seems to be gaining momentum. And it criminalizes the purchase of sex, but not the people who sell sex. So that uh, you are addressing the demand. It also criminalizes the pimps. Uh, and it's been quite successful in reducing the demand. Now, if you reduce the demand for prostitution, then you are reducing the demand for trafficking. Mm. So we do see there's a link. Mm. Interesting. So so at, at Embrace Dignity, you have identified the link between uh, prostitution or sex work and... Um, and and human trafficking and I in my in in, in what one aspect, yeah one aspect and that is human trafficking for sexual exploitation because it traffic there's human trafficking for labour and other things as well yeah, yeah. and but mm-hmm. so so that that's that's the, that's what you are advocating for and in terms of the Traffic and Persons Act is there anything that you think should be removed or you think the act is okay currently no I think the act the Trafficking Persons Act is um, fine. I know the U.S. provides an annual report by the State Department on the trafficking persons of all the countries in the world, and um, the uh, and the 19, uh, 2018 report um, has dropped us from um, Tier Two to Tier Two watch list, uh, and that's mainly because of its implementation. Um, and uh, and one thing they mentioned is the home affairs regulation mm. hasn't been implemented. But um, the act itself, uh, I think, uh, civil society in South Africa is generally happy with it. Mm. Uh, it's the implementation of the act that uh, might need some attention. Yeah, and and in in your in your view, how 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 have we been doing? It's been it's been six, six years. Or maybe well, five. Um, it's been five, actually. It, well, the, the law is fine. The implementation is not fine. And the implementation, um, uh, if you look at how many convictions you've had for human trafficking and how many convictions, we understand that there uh, how many um, incidents there are just from the people we talk to. Yeah. There's... Um, so it's, it's quite a difficult law to implement, but the um, law we have is comprehensive and it needs the resources. Uh, and it depends how much priority is put on it. But the state has put quite a lot of priority because it, uh, it falls under the hawks. Uh, and so they investigate cases that get referred to them. Mm. And, 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 that, and that for you has not been doing well? Well, it's, um, yes, I think they, they can improve, um, but it requires different state departments to cooperate. But um, I think they're not necessarily targeting all, targeting all the uh, aspects of human trafficking. People who are trafficked for forced labor or really labor where the people are exploited and can't, aren't free to leave, things like that. Um, but doesn't that also speak to the practical implications of of arrest of arrest, especially for for the for, for the SAPS? Yes, no, it does. Uh, 
focus on that. Um, and um, I, I don't know why um, there hasn't been more. Uh, we, it, it hasn't been our main focus because we are focusing on the law on adult prostitution, okay. which um, the Law Reform Commission has looked at and has issued a report. And we see that actually if we reduce the demand for human sex trafficking by reducing the extent of prostitution, that, that will uh, provide, uh, you know, help uh, the situation because sex trafficking is the, the largest form of, uh, of human trafficking. Uh, so it's best to con- focus on one which is one of the significant that's actually quite an interesting and uh, are there other policy uh, inputs that you've made thus far as Embrace Dignity besides that one? Are there other one? Are there other uh, policy inputs that you've made? Uh, we've made policy inputs um, we made policy inputs to the high level panel uh, which Mishlante, the president, which former president Mishlante conducted about legislation mm. Oh, interesting. Uh, thank you, Mr. Jeremy Rutledge, from uh, Deputy Director of Embrace Dignity and Founder. Uh, thank you for your invaluable contribution. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a great evening. Still listening to Law Focus. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus. The families of, of the 134 life as a demony victims actually have received compensation from the Gauteng Provincial Government. We had led that the arbitral awards that which have been given by the former Deputy Chief Justice Bikang Moseneke have actually came to life and we are seeing movement in that regard. The interesting thing is that the Gauteng Premier David Makura has actually said that the office of the Premier has actually paid out 159 million to all of the 134 claimants. Law Focus. Talking active citizenship. Law Focus, Law Focus on Law Fan. Law Fan. 88.1 Point of Information. Welcome back to Law Focus. You're still talking to Basil Shirinda, and we have reached the end of our show. Uh, what has become highlight uh, of the show is that human trafficking is quite a serious issue in the country. Uh, far more importantly is to always be safe, to not trust anyone because deception, abuse of power, uh, and, and abduction does lead to human trafficking. But what has been highlighted by the, uh, Mr. Mudibia there from the Department of Correctional Services is particularly that deception has been one of the key driving factors uh, in, in so far as human trafficking is concerned. What also opens up um, conversation with regard to that is what uh, Embrace Dignity has highlighted, that there is a link between adult prostitution and human trafficking. So for those who frequent, frequent the world looking for jobs, um, desperate out there to get assistance from strangers they don't know. Always um, remain alarmed and get assistance from whoever who's your who's your friend or family when you go to those particular meetings, particularly because of your safety. Law Focus listener, we've discussed human trafficking, we've discussed the Trafficking, trafficking in Persons Act, Trafficking in Persons Act, and we've noted that there is a need for stronger implementation and regulations and, and policy in that regard. We also spoke to the Institute of Security Studies that which assisted us in understanding how the policy in the first place was come about and what they argue that would be the strengthening of policy should there be a stronger law enforcement uh, from from our producer, Ms. Bulali Diakopu, who made this whole uh, whole show possible, uh, from the technical production, Kutlano Gwinch Sarame. Remember that from me, if it's not legal, then it's unlawful, and if it's unlawful, then it's wrong. From me, Bezo Shurinda, 
at law at serious have a great evening law focus on eighty-eight point one point of information law focus podcast